On this episode of the Preferable Podcast, hosted by myself, Jaden Watkins, the police chief of Raleigh, North Carolina, Estella Patterson, stops by to talk about gun violence awareness, what she would do in North Carolina to make sure that the death toll of gun violence victims do not continue to rise, her inspiring message to families who lost relatives due to gun violence, and the impactful legacy that she plans to leave behind. All this and more on this episode of the Preferable Podcast, hosted by myself, Jaden Watkins. Thank you for tuning in to the Preferable Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Watkins, and I am so excited to be jumping into another episode of the Preferable Podcast with you on today. This is season three, episode seven, entitled Gun Violence Awareness Part Two. Make sure you share this episode with someone. Tell them to go watch if you're on YouTube or go and listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to get your podcasts or any other major podcasting platform. Thank you for your continued support that you give to myself and my podcast. I need your help to continue to keep the preferable podcast going. I need your um, support financially. You can head over to Cash App. That's dollar sign I am Jaden Watkins. Dollar sign I A M J A Y D E N W A T K I N S. Or you can head over to PayPal at W Jaden One. That's at W J A Y D E N One. Thank you for your continued support that you give to my podcast financially so we can keep inspirational programs such as this going. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, advertise your business, you can email I am Jaden Watkins at gmail.com. That is I A M J A Y D E N W A T K I N S at gmail.com. My first guest on today's episode, Ms. Estella D. Patterson, was appointed chief of the Raleigh Police Department on August 1st, 2021. As Raleigh's senior law enforcement official, Chief Patterson leads the capital city's police department of over 900 sworn and civilian, I hope I'm saying it correctly, employees with the goal of making Raleigh the safest place in the nation. Chief Patterson's priorities are to reduce violent crime, increase community engagement, and increase efficiency and moral throughout the department. Before joining the Raleigh Police Department, Chief Patterson served with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department from 1996 through 2021 in numerous capacities, including patrol officer, instructor, recruitment director, and internal affairs commander, and patrol services department chief. Aside from serving her community as a public safety professional, Chief Patterson served her country as a member of the U.S. Army Reserve from 1996 through 2005. Her service included combat tours in support of Operation Joint Guardian and to Iraq as part of Operation Enduring Freedom. Chief Patterson currently serves as an executive board member and second vice president of the North Carolina Police Executives Association. She is also a 
Commissioner on the NC Criminal Justice Education and Training Standards Commission, which regulates the training, certification, and policy making for all police officers in the state of North Carolina. Additionally, she is a member of the Eastern NC chapter of the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives. Chief Patterson earned her Bachelor of Arts degree in political science from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte and her Master of Science in Criminal Justice from the University of Oklahoma. She is a graduate of the FBI National Academy and attended the 56th session of the Senior Management Institute for Police. As a law enforcement professional and dedicated public servant, Chief Patterson's passions lie in building collaborative partnerships in the community and engaging the youth through positive mentoring initiatives. It is my honor to introduce to some and present to others Ms. Estella Patterson. Hi, Ms. Patterson. How are you doing on today? Hello, Mr. Watkins. I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I am elated to be here just to see you again. Um, we met, of course, last year, and I was just delighted in what you are doing in the community. Thank you so much. And I am happy to be able to meet with you again and to come on my, my, my podcast. It's so <laughs> yes, you're excellent with this thank you so my first warm-up question i want to ask you i know that you are a woman of faith what is your favorite scripture or bible verse hmm. i have so many i don't have a favorite uh, just too many but i will tell you my most relevant one is jeremiah 29 11. i know the thoughts that i think towards you saith the lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. That is the scripture that the Lord sent me here to Raleigh with. He gave me that. That is what has endured. And he, I got confirmation once I got to Raleigh and I found a church home. I walked into the sanctuary and that scripture was posted uh, right above the baptismal pool. And I said, uh, confirmation. This is where I'm supposed to be and this is where the Lord sent me. Yes, that's my favorite scripture as well. Um, my um, version is, for I know the plans I have for you, the class of Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, which is just like the verse that you just said, and the different versions resonate with people differently. So yes, indeed. So let's Very jump right in into the topic, the meats and potatoes, as my teacher would say of this um, <laughs> episode. So from what you have heard, read, or witnessed, what is the major cause of gun violence in the town that you are um, in charge of Raleigh, North Carolina? So there are, there are a lot of causes um, for gun violence in the city of Raleigh. I probably would say that the number one thing for gun violence is just the accessibility of guns. Individuals, particularly young people, being able to get their hands on them. And once they get their hands on them, then they lead to crime, them using them in the commission of a, of a crime. Um, also to accidental shootings. Again, that goes back to just access, having guns um, the hand, in the hands of people that shouldn't have them. For one, there many of them are just too young to possess and own guns. And then secondly, the fact that they just have them, period. Oftentimes I tell people when I go to community meetings, I said it is very important 
that if you own a gun, that you secure that weapon, that you not have it available where somebody can easily get to it. Leave it in, in your car, in your glove box, leave it in your trunk is not a good option because it's so easy for it to get stolen. So if we can just get the guns out of circulation as many as we have, um, I think that that would reduce and that would prevent gun violence altogether. Make sure that your guns, make sure they are secure. Step that home. Um, as a chief of police who witnesses the aftermath of gun violence death scenes and reports on them weekly, how do you feel witnessing the aftermath of countless gun violence death scenes many times a week? Mm, troubling, completely troubling. Um, as the chief of police, every shooting incident we have, every murder that we have in our city is of great concern to me. So much so that whenever one happens, my staff knows you have to call the chief. You got to let her know. And it doesn't matter if it's two o'clock in the morning, if it's six o'clock in the morning, if it's 12 o'clock noon. If a murder happens, they are to call me and to give me all the details of what has occurred. I want to be very intentional about knowing that information and making sure that an immediate investigation, of course, is um, conducted, that we follow all the paths in order to determine who is responsible for that crime, um, and then meeting with the families, making sure that they're doing okay and that they're going to be okay. It's tough to lose a family member, a loved one in that fashion, and that's why we give it just the highest priority. It is not okay for me to learn of it the following day or two days later, something like that. Even when I am on vacation, I'm away. I tell my staff, if we have a serious injury, shooting or violent act or a murder, they know to call me and inform me immediately. There's a sense of urgency that comes with that because I know that if my team knows I'm, I know about it, they're gonna jump on it and they're gonna do what they have to do to make sure that it's properly investigated. Yes, make sure it is properly investigated, even when you said that you are on vacation. Why is it so important that we create immediate action? You just stated that when they find out to tell you, let you know. Why is it so important that it's immediate? Because, you know, you talk about the sanctity of life. You can't replace a life once it is lost, when it is gone. And the harm and the pain and the anguish that it has on the family of, of that individual, as well as the suspect in the case. You know, two lives are lost essentially when one life is lost, and that's the lives of the family. So much is taken away from both sides when something like that occurs. And I think as a society, we have become too relaxed. We have become desensitized when it comes to shootings and killings because we hear it every single day. We hear it uh, multiple times often on the news. And, and that's something to be said when you hear that a life has been taken and we just go on about our business like, not, like it, it's, it's nothing important. That is awful. That should not become our norm. We should not as a society feel comfortable or even accept that that kind of thing is occurring. We should do everything in our, in our strength to be able to prevent and to reduce violent crime in our community. Yes, we only get one life here down on, our, on earth. That's why it's important to live it to the fullest and for law enforcement and leading leaders um, to make sure that this gun violence death toll does not rise because we need to be able to live happy, to live free, even in education uh, facilities such as Rob Elementary, where a school shooting happened. 
lot of people, a lot of students did not feel safe to go back in the building because of what happened at Rob Elementary the next day. Some parents did not feel safe or didn't want their child to go back to school because it could possibly help happen at their school. Because really, one you see one person do it, somebody else may want to do it. So it is important to create a safe environment. What do you think senators, politicians, lawmakers, or even the president can do to not allow tragic events such as Rob Elementary school shooting to happen again? Right. So everybody has a part to play. I would say for our elected officials, our legislatures, the president, his cabinet, stricter gun laws. I am not against uh, the possession of a weapon lawfully. I'm not against Second Amendment rights, but I am against loose Second Amendment rights, which just allow anyone at any age kind of thing to get their hands on weapons. We have to have stricter policies to make sure that we keep violent weapons and assault weapons out of the hands of young people. Um, I believe that we should raise the age of accountability to 21 um, when it comes to purchasing a weapon and having a weapon. I believe that there should be universal um, background checks and red flag alerts when somebody is dealing with mental health in crisis. They should not be able to possess firearms and keep those firearms if they have been diagnosed or if, they're, or if they are in crisis, that there be a waiting period, a cooling off period, if you will, afterwards before those weapons are returned to them. Um, it's too much destructive behavior that we have seen when those guns get in the hands of the, of the wrong individuals. So I think from the president on down, stricter gun control laws, not taking away guns from people legally, but just stricter laws to make sure that those those who possess weapons are lawfully doing it, mature enough to have it, and that they don't um, use it, you know, for destruction as we have seen so much in our society. Yeah, stricter gun um, laws that you don't get it as easy. Um, as we start to wrap up our interview, my interview with you, what encouraging message would you like to send to victims of gun violence um, who feels as if the police didn't do a very good job. What message would you like to send to families who recently lost a loved one due to gun violence? And they may feel as if wherever they are that the police or law enforcement did not do a good job. Yeah, so and that's tough and I can understand their pain. I spoke with a family today who lost their son, a young man who was on the path to doing some right things and lost him so tragically to gun violence. And my heart was just, I was just overwhelmed as I was talking to the mother because I could feel her pain almost in what she was doing. I don't think anybody could just feel in her place what she was feeling, but that's why I said I almost felt her pain. And I would say to any family that has lost loved ones, firstly and foremost, that you know, God knows what you are going through. And there are many around you who are praying for you and who are uplifting you. And God is going to give you the strength to be able to deal with your loss. I will also say to them that, you know, trust in law enforcement. We are doing everything we can. We are utilizing every resource that we can. And I feel comfortable saying that because I talk to other law enforcement professionals in, in across the United States, across the state of North Carolina, my colleagues who feel the same way when it comes to violent crime and um, 
those losing their lives. So we are doing everything we can. Trust law enforcement, but ask the questions. Hold us accountable. Um, if you feel that uh, we're not fully investigating the matter or that there's other leads that we should follow, talk to the detective. Talk with the police department about that. I encourage those who have lost um, family members or loved ones to not give up, to not feel that you can't go on, but that you would have strength and be encouraged to know that even though you have lost someone, that loss is not in vain. I love it when the Bible says that all things work together for good. And I know that it's hard to say, how can any good come out of a situation when a life has been lost or a family has been broken up? But truly, you're going to see that through your strength, God is going to be able to strengthen another family or he's going to be able to do something that is beneficial. So don't lose that hope. Don't feel that you have no one. There are many, there are many who are out there um, here to support you, to encourage you and to pray for you through it all. Yes, yes, yes. Wonderful encouragement. Now, again, you are the chief of police in Raleigh. You have a life outside of that. Um, what legacy do you want to leave behind that one day, maybe when you are gone, that some of your family members, relatives can look back and say, this was a hardworking woman, or maybe um, your staff could say she did a marvelous job. But what do you want them to remember you as? So I want people to remember that this is the chief that came to Raleigh and made Raleigh the safest city. And the safest city mean the crime was low, people felt safe, they felt like they could go different places and not fear that somebody was gonna attack them, rob them, shoot them, kill them, that kind of thing. And also too, I wanna be remembered as the chief that came to Raleigh that changed the uniform that had not been changed in 1972. <laughs> she brought us into a 21st century, into 2022, with a modern functional um, uniform that looks good, that helps our officers to get the job done because it is functional, you know, that she came in and really brought us up, brought us into the next era of policing with equipment, uniforms, everything we need to do our job effectively. And I hope that they will know that everything that I have done as a chief, I would want people to say that she cared. She cared so deeply for the community she cared so much for employees. She was a chief that would go around and talk to people and stop and, and, and just see how they're doing and ask them about their children and send them a card when their child is born or send them a birthday wish or send them a condolence when they lose their family members. Being a chief is extremely busy. You really don't have time in the day to do anything, but I make time to make sure I know that my employees are valued and that I care about them. Wow, and I'm sure that you would leave that legacy behind and more again thank you for being a guest today on the preferable podcast and taking some time out of your very busy schedule to come on and encourage families and to give us information to let us know that police such as yourself are working every day to make sure that the death toll of gun violence victims are not continuing to rise. So I want to applaud you for that and all the hard work that you are doing. Thank you so much, Minister Watkins. I appreciate you. And we covet your prayers. Keep praying for us here in Raleigh. Yes, I will. We will take a short commercial break and we will be right back here on the Preferable Podcast. Stay tuned.
Designs by T, known as DBT, is a three-year-old positive motivating t-shirt line by Brooklyn Social Worker. As a social entrepreneur, T has over 15 years medical social work experience and currently works in the space of elder justice. The founder, Tamara, utilized her creativity to create a socially conscious t-shirt line. Designs by T is purposeful and strategic in working with corporations, nonprofit leaders, faith-based organizations, social workers, and educators to enhance their organization's goals. Designs by T core values is reaching the unreached through essential toiletries. Each purchase provides a local homeless family the dignity of having what they need. Since COVID has placed new challenges, she continues to further her work. She wants her customers to look good with their tea, but more importantly, feel good knowing their purchase is enhancing social justice. To support this impactful business owner, Tamara, you can head over to www.designsbyt3.com. That is www.designsbyte3.com. You can use the preferable podcast exclusive code PREFPOTT to get $5 off your order. That code again is P-R-E-F-P-O-D-T-E-E. Go support this impactful small business today. Thank you for tuning in to the Preferable Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Watkins, and I'm so happy that you decided to join me on my podcast on today. Please make sure you share this episode. Tell someone to go back, watch, listen, um, share with your friends, your families, even post on your social media so that we can get the word out. Please donate to my podcast today. Dollar sign, I am Jaden Watkins. It should pop up on your screen. Through Cash App, dollar sign I A M J A Y D E N W A T K I N S, or you can head over to PayPal at WJDEN1, at WJAYDEN1. I also want to give you an opportunity to be a guest on the podcast. Maybe tell your testimony or tell your story to encourage someone else out there who may be going through the same thing. And you can email I. I am Jaden Watkins at gmail.com. That's I-A-M-J-A-Y-D-E-N-W-A-T-K-I-N-S at gmail.com. I will and never stop making this world more preferable. I am Jaden Watkins saying, see you next time.